This is a Federal News Network podcast. Some 120,000 service members unable to conduct their planned permanent changes of station, at least until mid-May, they're starting to feel a financial pinch. Blue Star Families finds one in five military families already are or will be paying for housing in two locations because of this stop-move order. For more, Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with the CEO and co-founder of Blue Star Families, Kathy Roth Duquette. We've launched a COVID-19 military family pain points poll, and we've been running it for two weeks and getting updated findings from it. So we, we're, we're getting a pretty good pulse on it. You know, we're, we're, we're finding that there's a lot of things that Americans in general are experiencing that our community is experiencing. And then there's also challenges that are unique to our community. So, for instance, job loss, 46 percent, um, almost half of our respondents have had job loss or reduction in hours because of the COVID crisis. And that's, of course, mostly from the military spouses. 11% of our respondents are paying for childcare even though their provider is closed. So that's a lot of people and that's a lot of money. 11% of our respondents say that a member of their household is at high risk of infection and so they're unable to shop for key medicine and food items due to fear of exposure. So there's, there's, we have a, a decent number of people who either as uh, wounded warriors or as having a special need child has a concern about exposure. Uh, we have a, a lot of folks having a hard time finding continuity of care um, for mental and behavioral health, about 12% of folks finding that. One of the most acute problems we've seen is that 21% of our families who have PCS orders are now or will in the next 60 days be unable to make house or rent payments. We have 8% of folks don't have enough money to buy more than one week of groceries, and 6% would consider themselves to be currently food insecure. Some of those numbers are really alarming. I think two that really stand out are the child care that some of the service members are still paying for and also that service members are paying rent in more than one place in some instances. Is there any relief for them at this point? Are there organizations they can turn to or government programs that they can work with? We, we are trying to raise this issue with policymakers. And uh, because of this coordinated collaborative initiative that we've launched together with Association of Defense Communities, we are speaking to policymakers really daily. I think the good news is that people are looking for a policy solution to this. In the short run, our uh, the partners at the relief societies are standing ready to try to be helpful when people have an immediate cash crunch around things like the leases and mortgage payments. And the we've spoken with some of our partners at some of the military housing companies, such as Hunt Company, about about them being able to extend leases if people need them and find solutions to the situation where some folks actually may not even have a place to live. They find themselves, you know, having ended one lease, planning on going someplace else. They're not allowed to move. And so, you know, now they're really caught with that housing. So, you know, we're working with partners to try to find solutions, but we're, we haven't found them yet. How are you expecting these numbers to change as this crisis continues to go? It's not going to be letting up anytime soon. Are you thinking that the PCSing numbers might stay static? I mean, actually, I think the PCS move is going to get worse before it gets better because some people, you know, what it's worse for the people who were getting, who who were in the middle of moving. 
we have we had one family who uh, we spoke to in California who their household goods are already gone. Their service member is deployed. And so they aren't homeless, but they are without household goods. So they're living on a blowout mattress and on the floor, the spouse and her children. She, and, and pretty soon she'll have to renegotiate her rent or her lease. And that's a tough place to be. I mean, imagine that being shut in with your kids. You don't have your TV, you know, you don't have a couch, you know, you have to go out and buy paper plates. So we do have families who right now are experiencing this, but then we have those other families who their moves were coming up and they're not currently in crisis, but that, that time is coming. They're going to have to come up with a solution. And in some cases, someone else has been promised to move into this place. So, you know, that's going to be a rolling problem, I think, for a few months until we figure this. And, and hopefully we're going to need to speed up the um, understanding of what's going on. This is where I think it's very important for organizations such as mine and for the coordinated collaborative work we're trying to do with nonprofits, relief organizations, local organizations. When the, the military right now is set up to deal with this through current commands, which is often a very appropriate way to deal with problems as long as they're not system-wide problems. When you have someone in your individual command who has a problem with their housing, you're the right person as the commander to solve that problem. But if we can't have, if, if the, the if you, when you do it that way, the military service as a whole can't have visibility about what's happening everywhere. So when a group like ours steps in and do, does a white, widespread poll with the partnership of, you know, dozens of other nonprofits and support organizations to get these findings, then we can drive that information up and drive solutions that can, can really meet people in the speed of time that they need these solutions to come to them. You've been doing a webinar series with the Association for Defense Communities, which is a conglomerate of different defense organizations and, and community organizations around the nation and across the world. What have you been working on with them and, and what can we expect in the future? Right now, transparency of information we think is really important. Being able to directly ask questions, how does this crisis affect me as a member of the military, someone with a military family. We're doing two webinars a week at the moment. We launched the week before last. We had two days notice for our first webinar. We brought in Brianna Keeler from CNN, um, Politico. We had Michael Hamlin from Brookings and a um, CSIS think tank person. With two days notice, we had 3,500 people tried to log on to that webinar. We only had a platform that held 1,000, so now we've expanded the size of our platform. Um, and we had a really robust discussion. We were able last week to bring do a webinar on K-12 through education with the Military Child Education Coalition um, and some other great partners, including some school superintendents, to talk about how they were coping with it and tips and suggestions for moving forward. We had another one on early education, early childhood education for zero to five and also for on child care. And what we're finding is people are really asking questions. They're very interested in hearing more and learning more. These webinars are being posted on a joint website that Worcester Families and ADC have put together uh, called the COVID-19 Military Support Initiative so that people can watch the webinars afterwards. Kathy Roth Duquette, CEO and co-founder of Blue Star Families, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.